Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kim, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. LeBron James reaches a milestone. Pulls up near the timeline. He has scored 29,999 points in his NBA career. LeBron James dribbles between his legs, fires a 20-footer. He knocks it down, and there it is. LeBron James has become the youngest ever to 30,000 as the kid from Akron rewrites the history books once again. Of course, he entered the league at 18. <laughs> that that helps. That's true. It, in combination with his greatness. Uh, so LeBron James reaches a milestone. All right. We were just talking about the NBA laying out its gambling plan and seeking to get a cut on bets that are made. With that in mind, let's get into the Super Bowl prop bets. All right, you're all set, Matt? I am ready. It's a long list of everything here. Always is for the Super Bowl. Odds to win the Super Bowl, Patriots 1 to 2, Eagles 2 to 1. Odds to win the Super Bowl 52 MVP, Tom Brady 5 to 4, Nick Foles 7 to 1, Deion Lewis 14 to 1, Rob Gronkowski 14 to 1, Danny Amendola 18 to 1. It's a lot of Patriots on there. I I I was a little bit surprised that actually that Nick Foles was the was the first Eagle to have Super Bowl MVP odds. I got quarterback, but I, I I thought maybe like a guy like a Jay Ajayi or maybe some of the guys on defense might have had a chance for that, but obviously some of the, those things you never know because if somebody makes a clinching play or, you know, falls throws a touchdown pass or whatever, someone scores the game winner, maybe that puts him automatically elevated up there. Odds on which player scores the first touchdown. As of right now, Deion Lewis of the Patriots at 6-1, to one, Rob Gronkowski 6-1, to one, LeGarrette Blunt 7-1. to one. Danny Amendola, nine to one. Alshon Jeffrey, the Eagles, nine to one. Brandon Cooks of the Patriots, ten to one. Zach Ertz of the Eagles, ten to one. And Nelson Aguilar of the Eagles is eleven to one. All I agree with, except I, I thought I think Ajayi might have a chance too. Odds of the opening coin toss coming up heads. That's a one to one bet. That's okay. Odds of what color Gatorade will be poured on the winning coach? <laughs> it was yellow for Doug Peterson after the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Orange is three to one. Blue is three to one. Clear is five to one. Purple is seven to one, and yellow is seven to one. Hmm. Odds of Super Bowl Fifty Two viewership being down versus Super Bowl Fifty One. It's a two to three bet. Odds of Super Bowl Fifty Two broadcasts will be higher rated, the highest rated Super Bowl ever. The odds are thirty nine to one. This is what I think. I think you might actually set a viewership record for it but the rating might be lower. I could see that happening. Higher population, more TVs, whatever. 
Odds to make an appearance on Saturday Night Live following the Super Bowl. Tom Brady is three to one. Rob Gronkowski's eight to one. Nick Foles is fifteen to one, and Bill Belichick is four hundred ninety nine to one. I would pay a lot of money to see that one. <laughs> Belichick on. But actually, the safe bet there is probably Gronk. Yeah. Odds that Donald Trump will insult someone on Twitter during the game. The NFL is a whole three to four. Justin Timberlake thirty nine to one. The Eagles franchise forty nine to one. Oh boy. The, Patri- the Patriots franchise ninety nine to one. Tom Brady a thousand to one. That's insulting. See, that that prop bet right there, Steve, just comes back to the full full circle of our whole entire conversation. People will bet anything. And especially what it has to do with the NFL or this game coming up on the Super Bowl Sunday. That is your prime well, example right there. Now, let's the odds of the winning team visiting the White House. <laughs> the Patriots are one to three odds to go. The Eagles are four to five. So it's actually they're considering a pretty good odds they would go. Odds of a player raising a fist during the national anthem four to one which i think is what that's what uh malcolm jenkins does right he had been but he stopped doing it uh, about a little bit after midway through the season after they did that settlement with the nfl displays a political message on an article of clothing seven to one now that would be a political message i don't think it's a charity message takes a knee eight to one Stays in the tunnel twenty nine to one. Remains in the locker room twenty nine to one. They have actually have a bet for that. That's pretty sad. Yes, it is. All right. <laughs> okay. Next are the calamity bets. Oh my! This is long. Odds that a Microsoft tablet has a malfunction. <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> it's, it's, it's out here. Eleven to one. This is awesome. Odds the goalposts fall down, 5,000 to 1. <laughs> they will if the Eagles win. <laughs> Odds the game gets delayed by anything, 4 to 1. Odds the power goes out, 12 to 1. And that's happened, Super Bowl 47. Yep. Odds pyrotechnics start a fire in the stadium, 25 oh, to 1. <laughs> it, this is on here. Odds there is a brawl on the field, 99 to 1. Odds there is a brawl in the stands amongst fans, 49 to 1. Now, guess what? I think that's a distinct possibility. I would agree. Uh, uh, odds a fan streaks the field, 5 to 1. Are there any odds for anybody that, that for a fan or any personnel for the NFL or media that get frostbite while walking into the stadium from in Minnesota? Doesn't say. That should they, be one. They have a lot of walkways there, you know. Okay. That's a yeah. You can walk all over the city and not go outside. That's um, true. And now, I think Radio Row and, and everything's going to be at Mall of America, if I do believe. Yeah, well, that that's not even in the city. That's that's down right. by the airport. Other side, yeah. That's down by the airport. Um, boom. Odds a fan throws a cup of beer in the field three to one. An article of clothing four to one. Uneaten food five to one. A sea cushion fourteen to one. Or a deflated football forty to one. <laughs> Maybe they're gonna have Ted Wells pick it up. All right. Uh, um, <laughs> somehow I doubt that now. 
Maybe. I think I'll play golf and then write a report. Uh, entertainment <laughs> odds. Okay, now Pink is a big Eagles fan, I guess. She is. I believe she's a South Jersey native because she had a tweet out there that had a bunch of crazy letters that when she obviously saw that the Eagles won the NFC Championship. Odds on Pink's hair color during the National Anthem. Blonde 2-1, to one, Pink 5-2, to two, Brown 9-2, to two, or Green 10-1. to one. <laughs> That's about right. The over and under length of Pink's rendition of the National Anthem is a minute and 58 seconds. That's not bad, actually. Well, I'd probably Paul take Zimmerman. the over, but... Paul Zimmerman from Sports Illustrated for years timed the National Anthem. That's how this prop bet came up. He would time the National Anthem. Now, according to him, to, to Paul Z, Dr. Z, he will tell you that the greatest National Anthem ever at a Super Bowl was Super Bowl won by the Grambling Marching Band that went 57 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's certainly uh, impressive. Odds that Pink messes up the words of the National Anthem, 9-1. to one. Odds there is a halftime show malfunction, 11-1. to one. Odds there is a halftime show wardrobe malfunction, 49-1. to one. Odds Justin Timberlake does something that breaks Twitter, 9-1. to one. <laughs> Odds Justin Timberlake will make an entrance by way of zipline, 2-1. to one. Car, 5-1. to one. Motorcycle, 7-1. to one. Uh, Jane, Jim Bob Bond uh, jetpack fifteen to one, dog sled twenty to one, parachute fifty to one. Obviously, these people in Vegas know something I don't. Especially well, by the zip line thing. That's two to one odds. Yeah. The zip line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now dog sled. Remember. All oh, right. It's it, it's Minnesota. Exactly. Right. That makes parachute, sense. Parachute. If you're wondering why parachutes fifty to one, it's dome. True. Right. Okay. Odds someone catches on fire during the halftime show, 25 to 1. Odds someone falls off the stage during the halftime show, 6 to 1. <laughs> Over and under on the number of guest performers that show up on the halftime show, the number is 3.5. Odds on the opening song of the show, Can't Stop the Feeling, 1 to 1. Sexy Back, 7 to 2. Mirrors four to one, suit and tie fifteen to one, rock your body fifty to one, or purple rain one hundred to one. Now, if you're wondering why purple rain, remember, okay, Minneapolis or suburban Minneapolis is where Prince grew up. That's why that's on there. Odds on closing song of the halftime show. You're impressed. I even knew that. Odds on the closing song of the halftime show: Filthy five to two, Supply seven to two, Suit and Tie five to one, Sexy Back seven to one, or Can't Stop the Feeling twelve to one. Odds that fans boo during the halftime show: nineteen to one. Now remember, there will be Eagle fans there, so hey now, <laughs> you got to take that into bad. account. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, everybody, Santa. All right. Uh, Come on, now. Most people, yay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Odds to make guest appearance during the halftime show. T.I. I think that's a rapper, right? Um, Two to yes. one. Two to one. Now, all the other ones I know. Jay-Z, five to one. 
Beyonce six to one, Jimmy Fallon six to one, Timbaland seven to one, Nelly Furtado eight to one, Rihanna fifteen to one, Drake twenty to one, Britney Spears twenty two to one, Snoop Dogg twenty five to one, Sierra twenty five to one. Madonna forty to one in sync one hundred to one and yes the infamous Janet Jackson at two hundred to one. We all know how it went the last time would, Janet was out there. I with was Justin actually Timberlake. surprised when you did the wardrobe malfunction prop bets that those weren't higher because of what happened in that Super Bowl. I think he's trying to avoid them. <laughs> all right, odds that Tom Brady does not play in the Super Bowl nine hundred ninety nine to one. Odds that Tom Brady breaks the Super Bowl record for most touchdowns in a Super Bowl, 12 to 1. Odds that Rob Gronkowski tackles someone or jumps on a defenseless player when the play is over, 24 to 1. <laughs> if he does play, which I think he will. Odds on Bill Belichick's hoodie color during the game. Blue 3 to 2. No hoodie 3 to 2. Remember, it is indoors. Gray nine to two, red fifty four to one. Over and under on the number of phantom Tom Brady injuries reported before the game. <laughs> Zero point five is the number. So if it's mentioned one time, you win. You gotta assume his hand is gonna come up. He'll be on the injury report for that, right? Probably, yeah. Especially the Patriots already got burned from. Or almost butt burned from not having him on the injury report that other time. Odds on which body part Tom Brady will injure before the game. Right hand one to one, Achilles three to one. Odds that Tom Brady retires after the game. Giselle Bunchen would hope it would be one to one, but the actual odds are forty nine to one. Odds that Bill Belichick retires after the game, five to two. Odds that an Eagles fan runs onto the field during the game, 50 to 1. Odds of an Eagles fan throwing debris on the field during the Super Bowl is 33 to 1. Now, those are all the Patriots' odds. The only two on the Eagles' odds dealt with bad fan behavior. (laughs) How about that? Yeah. So there you go. There are your Super Bowl prop bets on a day where the NBA won. And we just got word from the NBA. They wanted a 1% cut of what we get there. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, I said it 26 months ago. Sports organizations will be okay with sports gambling the second they figure out how to make money from it. There you go. The NBA has figured out the pathway to make money. Thus, they are on the fast track to getting there. We'll take a break. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. In an open letter to Team USA, Scott Blackman, the CEO of the United States Olympic Committee, called on all USA gymnastics directors to resign in the wake of the Larry Nassar abuse scandal in order to start the changing culture of that sport. 
Three USAG members have recently resigned, but Blackman called on a full turnover of leadership from the past. They said the purpose of this message is to tell all of the Nasser victims and survivors directly how incredibly sorry we are, the Blackman wrote. We have said it in other contexts, but we have not been direct enough with you. We are sorry for the pain caused by this terrible man and sorry that you weren't afforded a safe opportunity to pursue your sports dreams. The Olympic family is among those who that, that have failed you. Uh, now, I've said this once. I've said it a million times. I can't stand when somebody who has literally nothing to do with something is forced to resign because of guilt by association. Uh, if you're guilty, you should be out. In fact, if you're guilty, you may probably ought to be prosecuted for knowing about it. All right? Okay, for having knowledge. But if you don't know anything about it, why should you be persecuted and lose your job? Ah. <sighs> I've never been big on, hey, clean out, clean what? But somebody's honest, does their job, had no knowledge of what's going on, they lose their job. Really? Like, that's that's how it's supposed to work? In today's society, that's how it works. Because remember, part of this, too, is, is the U.S. Olympic Committee trying to uh, protect their backside in all of this. So if they call for for gymnastics to do so. He said the USAG must change governance structure. USOC considered the certifying USAG, but Blackman wrote that we believe it would hurt more than help athletes and the sport. Third, the letter states the USOC must know who uh, must know who knew what and when. Fair, and is therefore launching an independent third-party investigation. Both the USOC and the USAG will be subject to the investigation. All right. Finally, Blackman wrote that survivors need access to testing, treatment, and counseling. The CEO concluded by inviting any member of Team USA to communicate directly if there is more that you think the United, the Olympic family can or should be doing for you and your families. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that's their response. Nasser got, by the way, 40 to 175 years in court today. Now, the letter that he wrote, the letter that he wrote, Nasser did. Did you read this? I did not. <laughs> not exactly an act of contrition. Uh, it was it was actually stunning. I mean, the letter at one point created an audible gasp in the courtroom. Okay, I mean, in his letter, where is it here? Uh, ba 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 ba. It says Nasser apologized during a statement. People don't really realize what part it was. He wrote that media reports sensationalized the stories about his abuse and that he was forced to admit that they were sexual in nature in order just to get a plea deal. I was a good doctor, he wrote. Sorry, that's not my definition of medicine. 
I can see why that got a gasp. Well, that's not what that's not the part that got the gasp. Oh my. Uh the part that got the gasp was the part where he wrote Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. He wrote that. What? I I'm mean, speechless there. I mean, honest to goodness, are you kidding me? Wow. A sick, sick dude, man. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The uh, Larry Nasser case does bring up some interesting questions about Michigan State. And here's what where uh, Cindy called yesterday and Cindy talked about the NCAA and what they they did with Penn State and then for the first time ever, the only time ever they rolled back sanctions against Penn State, you know, in part, you know, when that happens that indicates to you that even the, even they think they weren't right. Now, what is the difference between if about NCAA the NCAA being involved in the Michigan State case? Okay, now, let's just kind of let's just you got to parse this a little bit. If they do get involved in the Michigan State case, here might be a reason why. Right. First of all, the criminal courts took care of Jerry Sandusky. Criminal court system took care of Larry Nasser. All right? So that part. But here's another part that comes into play here where you're saying, should the NCAA get involved in, or not? Remember, some of, the, some of the individuals that accused Larry Nasser were student-athletes on the Michigan State campus, which means that those student-athletes were then under uh, involved in the NCAA system. That is why maybe you might see the NCAA take a long look at this because of the student-athlete involvement. Now, Allie Raisman is is obviously in USA Gymnastics. Simone Biles' name came up. Gabby Douglas, uh, Michaela Maroney, but they are all U.S. USA gymnasts. But there are softball players and gymnasts that were in the Michigan State pipeline on campus as student athletes, also that were a part of the 150 to 200 that came forward. Now, what the exact number happens to be for Michigan State, I don't know. If it's one, that's enough. So they, you know, if you're saying, should the NCAA look into it? Again, the Nasser case is a criminal case. 
the Sandusky case was a criminal case. But the difference in terms of the NCAA looking into it would be some Michigan State student-athletes accused him of this. Some Michigan State student-athletes had their accusations bypassed or slapped to the side. That might be a reason for them to come in and take a look at Michigan State because the student-athlete now falls under the NCAA jurisdiction as opposed to USA Gymnastics, which would not. So we'll see what they want to do. Because, as I mentioned yesterday to Cindy on the show, what really kick-started the national media into, hey, wait a minute, the Nasser thing isn't a big deal. It's an off-the-chart deal. Where now, if you notice, the publicity on it in recent weeks has gone through the ceiling. And again, national media responds to big names being involved. And I know I've mentioned her name. Michaela Maroney kind of got the ball rolling, but when Allie Raisman jumped in, whoa, wait a minute. That changed the dynamics in terms of what the national media thought. And because of Michaela Maroney's bravery, Allie Raisman's bravery, uh, putting their own uh, pain on the line for everyone to see, it then opened the door for others to then come forward to and feel more, feel at least some semblance of comfort to come forward and tell their very painful stories in that courtroom. So Dennis Dodd today on CBS Sports um, brought this up. He says. Uh, Lack of institutional control, and you and I both know that that's just that's such a wide-ranging, I think it's Rule 10.1, whatever. I mean, that's kind of like a fallback on everything. Uh, but when you have 150 to 100 uh, to 200 showing up to testify at his sentencing hearing, that's not good. Uh, the quote by Michigan State Board of Trustee Joel Ferguson. There are so many more things going on at the university than just the Nasser thing. <laughs> okay. Unethical conduct. Yep. Honesty and sportsmanship. Exemplary conduct requirement. Uh I mean, there was a 15-year-old who spoke at Nasser's sentencing hearing earlier in the week, said her mother is still being charged by Michigan State for treatment the girl received while being abused. They're still getting bills.
So, it has been it has been uh, an eye-opening opportunity. I mean, all those young women, I think, opened everyone's eyes as to how it has been. All right, uh, that's that story. Gigantic story. Uh, and again, you know, there's a story here about him apologizing. Apologizing to him. His, I mean, it, the, the judge was, I mean, the judge reads this and then took his letter and just tossed, I mean, literally tossed it aside. Like basically, thanks for wasting our time with this thing. But when he wrote, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. I mean, the courtroom was like, whoa. So I was a good doctor. Uh, excuse me. Hey, they don't teach that at medical school. All right. Unbelievable. Then the, I, mean, I mean, seriously, you wrote that. You're like, how delusional are you? Sad to say, I don't I, think he's delusional. No. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to guess that he'll appeal something. But, I mean, he pled in all this. He may appeal the sentencing, but he got 40 to 175 years. I believe he is eligible for parole um, in 2117 in 99 years. All right. We'll come back. We'll talk about the uh, the NBA plan on gambling, which I think you're going to see other professional leagues go. Mm, yeah. Hmm. We'll talk about that in a moment. We continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, welcome back. Uh, great to have you with us for the show. Uh, it's interesting um, what the NBA wants to do, and it goes back. And I mentioned earlier in the show when the when Adam Silver wrote the op-ed, I made a big deal out of it because again, there are some of you. I don't know, I have no idea what number or whatever, but look, I'm not going to be naive to think there isn't a single person in the audience that has made a sports bet before. I mean, there's some of you that have, some of you that never will. Uh, your host never has, your host never will, but that's just me. Um, and I think that uh, that when you, I said at the time when he wrote the op-ed, and I talked about that, I said, look, I said, he opened the door that they would consider it. And my point was that every league would consider it the second they figured out a way where they could make money from the proposition. The NBA has now figured out a way to make money from that. And that is, 
that is the point. They've figured out that area. The NFL's been against it when Delaware tried to go into sportsbook. Again, there are four that are allowed to do it, four states under current law. Only one does, but four are allowed. Delaware, Montana, Oregon, and Nevada. New Jersey said no originally. And then under the Christie administration, they decided that they'd like to do football book, sports book, NFL book. And when they did that, it was challenged by the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NCAA. And keep in mind that for years, those organizations have spent millions and millions of dollars trying to keep it from being legal. Well, the NBA, Dan Spillane, who's an attorney for the NBA, testified in front of a New York State Senate committee. And this is the first time it was revealed. He made it clear what the league's price would be to become a partner in legalized gambling. That the NBA wants 1% of every bet made on its games in addition to other regulations. And let's face it, this would create massive revenue for the NBA, and it would absolutely create massive revenue for the NFL. Now, what the NCAA wants to do, I that one I can't, I can't even begin to. I I don't know how to comment on that. I'd really have to hear what the hierarchy at the NCAA feels about it. The U.S. Supreme Court is considering that New Jersey-based case I just talked about. And they heard oral arguments on the case from New Jersey last month. They think a decision from the U.S. Supreme Court on the Jersey case could come this spring. Now, if it goes the way of New Jersey, a number of states have already put legislation in place for those states to jump in and take advantage of it. Now, it would take the Supreme Court overturning the federal ban on widespread sports betting outside of Nevada. How much money was wagered in Nevada in 2016, which is the last time stats came out? $4.5 billion. I think in the next month or so they'll get new figures out for 2017. They're expecting it to be right around $5 billion. That's just in Nevada. Now remember, you know, sports like horse racing and boxing, they have, certainly have a, a percentage that's bet on that. And New York, for example, if you open it up in New York, eh, there's going to be a windfall left and right. Like States are looking for ways to get money. As I pointed out earlier, the cannabis legislation in Colorado, Washington, California, and Vermont, look, let's not be cynical here. Let's be realistic. Those states want the tax money. So they're willing to change or relax those laws because they think it opens the door for more revenue for the state. That's just realistic, people. That's not, you know, that's not political commentary. That's just realistic. 
I mean, do you think they say, oh, it's legal now? You know, you do realize there's a tax attached to it, right? Okay, the tax part goes to the state, goes to the general fund. I mean, we already have seven casinos in this state, which are what state regulated and so forth and came from Governor Rendell. Uh, It was his idea. He got the legislature going on it. And and they passed it. And I think the money, Matt, you may know this better than I, if I recall. I thought the money was supposed to go to uh, education in the state. I believe so. I'm not 100%. Yeah, if I recall, that's what it was supposed to be about. Um... Now, whether that has stayed true, that's something that Mark Lawrence uh, and others could educate me on. I always get the impression that there's that they talk about the money will go to education or whatever, and then it ends up going into the general fund, and then it it doesn't do everything it's supposed to do. That's usually the impression I get on some of these mandates that we hear. Yeah, you know, you know this will solve the state education problem. Okay, so we're going to put gambling in. Okay. Then some of it goes to state education, and other parts of it go to the general fund. It's always been the problem with these things. I mean, because states being in trouble, states have been handed, I mean, certain financial windfalls over the years, and if it hasn't uh, lived up to what they needed. The, the tobacco settlement money was money that fell out of the sky. Okay? Now you pass a bill on casino gambling. That's money that fell out of the sky. If sportsbook comes to fruition, that's going to be money that falls out of the sky. And yet places like Illinois and California, for example, are both on the verge of bankruptcy. Now, the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, and the NC2A have all spent millions in legal fees over the years fighting these cases. But the NBA has decided to take the lead on this. And Dan Spillane said today that states like New York and others have reacted by moving forward to discuss and advance new laws that could immediately thereafter permit legal sports betting. We cannot sit on the sidelines while this activity is occurring. All right, so I see it from the NBA's point of view. I understand that. That's their product that's out there that's being used to bring in revenue. I mean, why do you think Chris Christie wanted Sportsbook in New Jersey? Why? He's not the governor anymore. I believe Dan Murphy is. But he's not the governor any longer. But why did Chris Christie want it? to close the budget gap in New Jersey. That's why all these things come up. They're all to close budget gaps to try and figure out another way to get more revenue into the state and close financial gaps. Well, there's no more tobacco settlement money out there. There's only only so many casinos you can build, right? There's only so many different lottery games you can have. There's only so much of a percentage you can put on the state income tax. So is there another way that you can get tax revenue into the coffers? And New Jersey felt it was sports betting or sports book that could do it. So now it's in court. 
there are a lot of people that are thinking that maybe the door is going to open, that if New Jersey wins, it opens it up for everybody because that would take down the federal mandate on sports betting in the U.S. outside of Nevada. Now, this is not a new idea because pro leagues in Australia and France already get a small percentage of bets from their sports. And what the NBA did is the NBA studied Australia's professional model where there's sports book in Australia. And so the NBA is taking essentially the Australian pro sports model and applying it to their league. Now, earlier in the year, the NBA and Major League Baseball went to Indiana. And they were talking with Indiana lawmakers about inserting a 1% integrity fee into a sports gambling bill there. So you see Major League Baseball's already doing it. So far, the one group that hasn't done it is the one that can really capitalize, and that's the NFL. 